Welcome to She's on a Mission, the podcast. On our show, we talk about our entrepreneurial journey and how we built our current business, Renata Beauty. We also interview kick-ass powerhouse women who are on their own missions and highlight the ins and outs and the highs and lows of entrepreneurship. If you're on a mission, this podcast is for you. Hosted by Monica Abramov and Stacey Boguslavskaya. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to She's on a Mission, the podcast, where your hosts, Monica and Stacy. So today on the podcast, we have a very special guest. We have Joelle Maslaton with us, and we first met Joelle back when we were fundraising right at the beginning. So right when we really started, actually, we weren't even fundraising at the time. No. So the story kind of, we covered it in one of the other podcasts, but when we met uh, Joe Mimran, he asked us, who's, who's our investor, he asked us to come by um, a VC fund called Gibraltar and to meet the team and to pitch. And if they were interested and wanted to invest, that he would also invest. So Joelle uh, was working at that VC fund at the time, and she was one of the first people that we met there. So welcome, Joelle. Oh, well, thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah. So, well, I mean, we'll jump right into it. Um, why don't you start by telling us, well, and our listeners about yourself, your background, what's your story? Yeah, thanks. It's uh, kind of unconventional. Um, so I'm from Montreal, uh, Canada, originally, where um, <clears throat> after graduating from university, I started working in beauty, which was my passion. So it's really awesome that we're talking a lot about beauty and then the merge of technology. Um, I worked in an advertising agency for quite a few years working alongside L'Oreal um, exclusively, and they were the best school um, for me. And we innovated on a lot of products together and my journey where it brought me here today was L'Oreal being one of those brands that always wanted to be first at trying everything and being innovative no matter what because they always wanted to bring the best technology to their customers um, <clears throat> wanted to get on the bandwagon of a new thing called social networking and that was Facebook at the time and I was leading the partnerships there and working with the Facebook teams um, out of Toronto and globally, and I just became completely um, immersed and <clears throat> fascinated with what they were doing, flipping businesses on their head and making them um, stay true to their innovation and their product and make sure that their customer was front and center in that development cycle, and it was super interesting. Um, and so I decided that I was going to work for a company like that that was groundbreaking and changing the world and packed my bags and my then boyfriend who's now my husband we got in a car and moved to Toronto and um, <clears throat> waited for a little bit and they uh, they called me and I was there for about six years and it was honestly kind of changed my life to to pivot like that and we can talk about that I'm sure we'll have questions about that a little bit later um, and then after six years it led me down the venture road um, in quite a what people can think about of as a harsh pivot, but actually really wasn't. It was a natural transition, which was a surprise to me. And it led me to meeting you guys. Um, yeah, it's been a really interesting journey. 
Um, so just to cover, where did you actually transition to? Because you were saying you drove to Toronto, and then what company did you actually start working with? Well, I originally started working with um, Kellogg's, a food company. <clears throat> My intent was really to come to Toronto um, and work for Facebook. Like that was back in the day, startups, all of that was and technology. It was all new. Um, this was back in my gosh, I'd have to look back. Um, it was back in 2012 when I started working with, with Facebook. Um, but yeah, you know, the startup world was still kind of unknown to the younger generation. Um, technology, social networking, people didn't really understand that you can kind of work for these types of companies. I just became fascinated with how it was changing the industry that I knew so well. And suddenly, my team, I was leading a team of about 10 people, we had to really start rethinking this omni-channel experience and how to make sure that L'Oreal innovated in the right way and brought consumers into the fold into, you know, what mascara or what color of a mascara or, or the type of, you know, wand and the claims they were going to use. Um, <clears throat> customers had to have a say and, and really had to be brought, you know, to light in that sense. So I just became enamored with them and, and the leaders that that were at the company at the time. Um, and so when Kellogg's recruited me, they knew that I actually wanted to transition to Facebook. So I was super open and honest with the SVP there. They wanted to tr transform themselves digitally as well. And so I was there for a very short time until Facebook came calling and I joined their team. So going from working at Facebook, Kellogg's, L'Oreal, how did you transition into the VC fund world? And could you tell us a bit about the role that you had there? Sure. So my journey at Facebook was uh, was a six-year journey. I spent about three years on the Facebook uh, side um, developing uh, marketing solutions in Canada for certain verticals, especially consumer goods was really the one that I was focused on the most. And then the company acquired Instagram. Um, and right on the onset, you know, one of the main uh, things that they wanted to do was monetize the business. When they acquired Instagram, they were about 12 people um, and they were a startup, right? So that was kind of like this first thing. Okay, here's this mega brand, one startup Facebook that acquires you know a 12 person team at instagram and and that was they were building a technology that was bringing a world of communities together and um really disrupting how people were communicating and democratizing what visual language was um and again something else that was really changing the way that brands could communicate with their customers that people could communicate with each other through common passions um, and so I just had to raise my hand at that point and say, I need to be part of this team. I'm from Toronto. I'm not at, you know, headquarters right now, but I don't care. I need to do this. And so this is kind of like all still part of the journey as to even how I, I ended up in venture. Um, and after fighting for that role, I was part of this small landing team. We call it was a lightning in a bottle experience where we, um, you know, worked with global markets and key markets to educate advertising agencies, brands, and even communi communities around the world as to how to leverage Instagram to grow their business. And so through that, we met a lot of small businesses. Um, we talked a lot about storytelling. We talked, a we had to dive into, you know, what consumerism is, what passion is, all of that. Um, in between there, I had my kid. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, coming back from mat leave, I changed roles at Instagram and I was, um, 
responsible for growing the revenue uh, and monetizing stories, Instagram stories. And once we felt like that was, you know, we had accomplished the goals that we really wanted to do, um, I had to ask myself, okay, well, if I'm going to stay in Toronto um, and keep building my career, what's next for me? And so I suddenly had this itch to work more closely with small businesses and startups and so on. And I started talking to people in the ecosystem and, and I was counseled to talk to VCs, to heads of VCs. And so I did that and it was really fascinating and ended up meeting the folks over at Gibraltar um, who are lovely and ended up asking me if I wanted to join their team as a vice president and venture partner. Originally, I said, well, I'm not a finance person. That's mm-hmm. just, you know, I, I definitely have a business background. Um, I can create, build strategies and analyze models and really grow companies and scale them. But, you know, I'm not a wizard at Excel. That's, to me, that's what, like, the, the world of VC was. Yeah. Um, and so I just didn't think it was a fit for me. But after talking to them for a while, they said I, f- you know, fit a gap that they needed in terms of coaching and advising um, and bringing in some of their their startups and bringing in leads, um, I said, why not? Let's make that leap. And I'm so glad that I did. So that's actually a really good segue into the next question, because how do you find that your experience at these big brands um, really helped shape your role at Gibraltar and how, um, you know, how did it benefit you when you were working with these kind of startups and <clears throat> small businesses? Yeah, I think the experience of monetizing Instagram um, brought back a lot of humility, I think, in just exactly how to build a brand. We just started seeing organically how small businesses that originally couldn't compete with the big brands could start competing from a direct-to-consumer standpoint and really tap into people's passions. You guys are doing that right now, and it's really fascinating. And you're now teaching some of these big brands how to pivot. So I started seeing a lot of that, and it was nice, right? Um, I had spent so much time with these big brands like L'Oreal, but even some of these big brands are realizing, hey, you know what? We're going to start investing in these smaller-scale startups and, and kind of bring them into this world and help yeah. them with some of the tools that we have. Um, and so, yeah, some of these learnings were the aspect of humility. So when I went into venture capital, I told myself, if I'm going to have a seat at that table um, and have a voice in whether we invest or not in a startup, um, it's the voice of empathy um, and humility that I think had been lacking originally in the funding world. Um, and I really wanted to bring that forth, having seen a lot from the technology and consumer industries, I really wanted to bring that to the table. As someone who vetted a lot of deals for investment, uh, what did you and the fund look for when those investment making those investment decisions? Uh-huh. That's a great question. So it's quite unique for each individual around the table at an investment firm. Um, you know, some people like to invest in people, right? It's it's almost like you can feel people's passions. Um, but obviously they have to have, you know, the accreditation and, and kind of the support around them. Um, and others really just want to make sure that just your finance, you have a financially sound business. It also depends which industry that you're in. If you're building a technology, chances are that you'll need the fund to actually keep building that technology. Whereas if you're a consumer company, um, you know, you can start proving some, some market validations earlier on, Right. 
and it depends at what stage you're at as well. So a lot of the questions that I often get asked by very early stage companies is, do I actually need to fundraise? When do I fundraise? Um, which we spoke about between us a lot. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so what do you like most about working with startups? What do I, the founders. I actually just came from a meeting just now with uh, founders within the food industry. And it's almost like I never know what I'm going to get. But I always get these amazing people sitting across from me over coffee. That's what I prefer doing because you kind of get the deconstructed real version of the people who um, who are building something or have an idea to transform the world or within their industries anyways. Um, yeah, it's it's they're trying to solve either a problem in the world or see a great opportunity. Um, and to just be able to sit there and hear their idea and just find ways, even if it, if we can't invest, find ways to help them, you know, meet someone else or connect with someone or give them a piece of advice that can steer them in a, a certain direction. Um, and the next best thing for me is keeping in touch with these people and seeing where they go within, you know, a year from now. We had a really wonderful, uh, team that came to visit us at Gibraltar at one point um, and they were just doing really well ultimately they did not necessarily need funding but we gave them a piece of advice that they took which really changed the path for them um, and increased their margins their sales and all of that it was just really wonderful to see and they kept in touch with us so often so every time you know I see some founders or teams who are either on the trying to get some funding or not, I say just maintain those relationships. Even if you get a no, keep them posted on what's happening. Um, it's so important to build that relationship. It's not just about, hey, can you invest or no. It's just start building that relationship on the outset. And even if you're not looking to raise funds, just start meeting with people. Yeah, yeah we found that too, where you know so many of these funds that we had spoken to, let's say six months ago, you know, it wasn't necessarily a good fit at the time, but we've kept them in the loop and kept them apprised of everything that's going on. And now it's sort of reinvigorating a lot of these um, connections and communications where now they're interested in investing, right? So I absolutely agree with that advice. Yeah, I think we've we've both really seen that, you know, sometimes the VCs could say no or they might seem like they're just not sure, but really keeping them updated, making sure that they know what's what's happening really shows a difference. And I think one thing that we also kind of find is some of the VCs want to see how badly you want it. So if they were to say no or they're, they're not sure and you don't follow up, that's just them kind of realizing you didn't want it bad enough. So um, that's from our, you know, from our side, some advice. But yeah. do you have any other advice for yeah. entrepreneurs who are currently fundraising? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, what what do you, what do you think that they should be kind of doing or some advice that you would give them? And, and also, which route should they go like angel yeah. investment, VC? I would say if you're at the VC stage, it's really you've got your story buttoned up. You know what your white space is. You've got some um, market validation, even if it's in a small test market, just to show that, hey, if we pour some funds into this, you can actually scale quite significantly on, you know, an opportunity that you've actually already shown. It's that like product market fit, no matter what industry that you're in. But if you're at a very, very early stage and you've got an idea, everybody starts somewhere somewhere. 
you still need, you know, to have some of these allies around you. So yes, I mean, angels and friends and family, just to get sufficient funds that, where you can actually do that product testing to show some numbers and some validation that's what you need to go to actual institutions and being able to actually right um validate that point and i'd say if you are going to have that meeting with a venture capital firm know that story know that story in and out don't have any doubts again if you have doubts it's because you haven't tested that yet and that means that you need a group of maybe angel investors who are specialize in those areas that can kind of help guide you and open up opportunities in terms of relationships or partners and things like that. So that when you get in front of a venture capital firm, you actually have that case study already there and you need to just amplify it with their help, either strategically or just financially. And on that note, like, how do you get in front of a VC? I think everyone wants to know, like, because can you just email them and be like, hey, this is us? Or what do you recommend? Wow, there's so many different ways. I think you guys need to answer that with, I just <laughs> thought it was, I loved your story. Sometimes you just need to be bold. You see someone in a coffee shop like you guys did, and you go up and you do your pitch. Um, there's so many different ways. Um, I'd say do your research. Do your research on who are in these firms who could actually relate to what you're building. Um, you know, I've seen that these, you can cold call, but that doesn't really work typically. Yeah. It's really typically through referrals. Or, you know, what I've seen with you guys is you're getting so much market validation through, um, through your consumers, but also through the press. You're getting consumer demand, but also market demand, which is super interesting. So if you can actually rally some of that together, if you have no connections to a venture firm, but you've got some of this story that you can organically share with them somehow, I think is really interesting. Or reach out to them and ask them for coffee instead of just sending a pitch deck or something like that, um, which you might just get a deleted email or so on. Yeah. But the power of connection and the power of referral is actually the best. And so speaking of, you know, referrals and connections and, and introductions, you've called yourself a people connector and we love that term. So what kind of connections do you make and how do you determine when these introductions would be mutual, mutually beneficial? Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I actually, within this world, I've always been known as a connector, although I, I've never actually defined myself as that. I never even thought about that. I always approach my life, my friendships, and my career um, with the thought of merging EQ and IQ together. And with that comes relationships and collaboration. Um, you know, when we were building and monetizing Instagram, it was a tiny team trying to do that. But you had to rally thousands of people within Facebook to come on board to this new company that they had just acquired and everybody was skeptical about it. You don't do that without everybody on board. So how do you do that? How do you foster those relationships and make people feel good about it? Um, and so when I came into this venture capital world, the first thing that I did, so I was so new to it, I just had to start getting to know people in the industry. How was I going to be successful? Yeah. Um, so I just started reaching out to people within, you know, different firms. And you'd be surprised. People would love to have coffee. It's such a, a small industry, actually, of funders um, and especially women in this space. Uh, so, you know, I got in touch with an organization called Female Funders. And I started going to some, you know, conferences around this, the, the topic and having coffees. And actually, 
we just started helping each other out. So if one venture firm had a specific thesis that wasn't necessarily aligned with ours, but I met with founders or received a pitch deck that could be aligned with them, we would just send it over. And so it's a helpful community, but you have to build um, that community and you have to start connecting people. And that's where I started to see the most qualified referrals. Um, you know, and then one day by a venture capitalist, I was told that, you know, sometimes, you know, being a connector isn't all that great. Um, so that was a, that was an odd day for me, but, um, you know, then I really started to think about it and I said, no, you know what? I still think that this is, I think the most powerful thing that you can do for people. Um, and I do believe in, in goodwill and good karma. And I think that always comes back around. And if you talk to, especially the startup community, um, they always have nodes of people that they've spoken with or been, you know, helped by or even helped themselves. And so I think that it's it's so important to keep doing that. Um, yeah, I think, you know, for us, the power of connection has been so important. Um, so many people that we've met along the way have been through introductions from yourself. <laughs> um, but through many other people, it's like you don't realize how valuable that connection um, can be until maybe later on down the line when, you know, something happens and you're like, oh, I met, you know, this person or I have this connection. So we totally believe in the power of connection and yeah. we're very grateful to you for all the connections you've made for us. Well, no, well, well, that actually brings me to my next point is you guys make it easy. I mean, the world needs innovation and needs to remain competitive. And we can't do that if we don't open doors for people like yourselves who are putting so much on the line. And are busting themselves to, you know, create something of value and, and disrupt an industry and do something exciting that you're passionate about. Um, we need to support that more. And I love that you're doing this podcast so that people can get inspired by your story, too, and other people's story. Um, and what I really have always done, actually, this goes back to my university days, I've always been the type that would study in a coffee shop and not in a library because I just love the hustle bustle and I would just zero in on my work and like focus and I would just see all these people around me and just that's my favorite thing to do is to connect with people over coffee and so I just I kept doing that um, and so you know this kind of became a thing of mine <laughs> for a long time where um, you know people would just call me up and ask to have a macchiato in me with me because they knew it was my favorite drink and I just I just love to get to know their stories and people divulge more and open themselves up more in that type of setting. So you're actually able to figure out better ways to help people um, and better ways to either invite them to an event where they can meet a lot of people or refer them to somebody else and connect them to, to others. But I think it's really important to not stay in our bubble. Mm -hmm. um, I'm guilty of that. You know, when you're young and you're building your career, you just you grow and you connect with people within that space. Um, you know, when I was at Facebook, it was just such a glorious, amazing group around the world of people who are incredibly passionate about changing the world. And when I left Facebook, I still maintained all of my relationships, but it was like opening this world and these doors to seeing there's so many incredible people out here that I could also continue helping. So even if I were to go back to that industry or to that company or anywhere else, I'd come back with a much different perspective where just, you know, you got, this is what you're doing as well. You're doing a podcast in the middle of building a company, um, which I'm sure is not, <laughs> you have a lot of things to do, but I think that's really important because you're keeping those doors open 
if you keep them closed, then you're going to miss out on meeting with a lot of incredible people. You know, with all these things that you're telling us about um, your job experience, the connections that you're making with people, the, you know, coffee shops that you love going to, you also do have a little one at home. Mm -hmm. So how do you balance, you know, getting out there, meeting with people, networking, working and, you know, having a job, but then also having um, a little guy? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I have to say that when I had, although when I was pregnant, um, I was I was still traveling, running around, and kind of, I don't know. I remember being eight eight and a half months pregnant in heels and hosting these these big events with Instagram and this and that, and just loving it. And then suddenly my world changed. Um, and when I had Jax, actually, what helped me was to be. I just, I penned my journey basically and made it public again so that there was that power of connection. And I thanked, you know, social networks for that. Sometimes, you know, it can be <clears throat> not the best place for some people. But for me, it was a place where even when I felt alone at home in those first few months, I still felt super supported. Um, and I was lucky that I guess my son is really my son because he loves to nap in coffee shops. <laughs> and so I was able to kind of get out during his nap time in those early days and work on creative projects and meet people over coffee. So I kept kind of that going. It was my fuel. It was my I just need to connect with people to get a little bit of my sanity back. Um, and so that was really in the early days. Um, and then. I, I find that with every year that he, he gets older, it changes, right? He's three and a half now. It's so much fun. He can talk and we can, you know, have all these great um, experiences. But my life has certainly changed. I've had to be very um, honest about what I say yes and what I say no to. And actually, it's made me more hyperproductive in a way. Um, it's made me more aware of certain things that need to evolve in the modern workplace. Um, and it's actually made me more empathetic to <clears throat> a lot of the women that I've worked with along the way that I wish I just knew a little bit more of their realities. We'd get to work at nine or whatever it is in the morning. And typically those mothers have had like three days in one by the time they got to work. And, and um, yeah, so I'm kind of glad we live now in a society where we're, we're being more open about that. For sure. So there's there's no magic to balance. It's just um, every day is a little bit different, and you you kind of prioritize one thing over the next. And quality time is is always more important. And quality of your work, right, versus the amount of hours that you ground that you grind, is way more important. And I've seen that be beneficial. Yeah, I found that, you know, I've got two little ones yes. at home as well, and it's such a balancing act. Um, You've inspired me. Oh, thank you. Yeah. You've inspired me. <laughs> but yeah, it's totally a balancing act, and you really need to kind of learn when to unplug and shut down and, and whatnot. So um, yeah, all the power to all the moms out there, 100%. So tell us a bit about some of the, you know, current projects that you're working on. Um, you know, what, what fuels you? Oh, fuel. I love that. Well, coffee fuels me. <laughs> <laughs> Talk a lot, a lot about coffee uh, in this podcast. Um, but so talking about, you know, just being in a bubble and only working on the, the things that you do in your specific company. I think for me, you know, being able to work on different creative projects at the same time 
was really helpful and also helped me in my work. Um, and so throughout this really amazing journey in, in the last many few years, but really in the last couple of years where I had the opportunity to meet founders like yourselves and be so inspired by your whole story. You know, Monica, I know you're, you know, a mom of two, but you're such a hustler and you're a multi, you know, entrepreneur. Um, and Stacy, I don't even know how you do it, but you're like all over the place. You just got married and you're such a hustler in so many ways than one. Um, and I meet so many people like yourselves that have really just inspired me. And I realized, you know, just how hard that journey is also in the very beginning, especially when it comes to, to fundraising. And I think a lot of the time when folks in the venture world, um, you know, meet founders, we don't get to see your full selves. And I find that makes a big, big difference. Um, and so the time that I was able to spend in these coffee shops, getting to know these entrepreneurs, um, inspired me, especially female entrepreneurs, inspired me to just want to share their stories because what started happening was, um, you know, I would meet someone and then two weeks later I'd get notes saying, Hey, Joel, you need to meet this person. Trust me. And then I would meet this person. They'd be like, Oh my gosh, you need to meet that person. And then suddenly everyone was meeting each other, but for different reasons. And that power of connection was becoming really powerful. And you actually started seeing things happen. Business partnerships, friendships, investments, things like that. And so I just wanted to expand my love for sharing coffee with people and just putting that down into the web um, and telling the stories of these women. So I started Macchiato and Me, um, which is really just an online platform to tell the stories of these women that I've met across this journey um, and give people the chance to connect with them because these women are open to helping others. Um, and hopefully, you know, these young entrepreneurs or older entrepreneurs, doesn't really matter, who are seeing these stories, who find themselves uh, relating to them can actually connect with the with each other through this platform. It just brings me joy to do that. Um and hopefully can inspire others to really open their doors and come out of that bubble a little bit more too. Well, Joelle, you're a very driven woman. You obviously have, you know, pushed, you've moved to different cities, you've changed jobs, you've changed careers, you've done a lot of things kind of driving you towards something. So we're going to ask you the question that we ask everyone, which is, what is your mission? Oh, so, you know, I've reflected on that a little bit and, you know, instead of thinking about a mission that's really specific to something I'm doing right now, um, I realized that I've always been this way and I've always been true to this is, um, yeah, it, bringing people together, fostering cultures and environments where um, people can be empathetic and positive and drive towards a certain mission, no matter what it is that they're doing um, and building that power of connection and empowering, empowering people. So that's, that's my mission. If I can encourage the folks in front of me um, to just open up their doors and start building relationships. And if there's an, a connection that's open to them, if they can do the same thing for somebody else and pay that forward, then, um, then I'm happy. That's always been my mission throughout every journey that I've done, whether it's being a new mom and sharing my story and listening to others um, and giving tips and, and things like that, um, or connecting people, you know, in the startup community or helping businesses grow on 
you know, different platforms and technologies that have come across. Um, for me, that's that's the most important thing is that community. Well, that's awesome. And if our listeners want to connect with you, where do they find you? Oh, well, on Instagram at Joelle Maslaton and at macchiatoandme.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Joelle. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Until next time. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to subscribe and share with other women on a mission. We also welcome you to follow our brands on social media where we'll announce new episodes and other exclusive info. You can find us on Instagram at Renata Beauty and at unplugged.beauty. Until next time.